0: Lindsay, Martha, Uh, this is a very exciting interview that we have. Um, Sally Hoy, the educator behind Fairy Dust Teaching, agreed to let us interview her. So we're just so pumped and I'll get into just a little bit about the background of this interview. We were like, please, oh, please, that would be a dream if she and she was totally into it not only was she totally into it she came up with a name because we were like Sally we just want you to talk about something you're passionate about we love you we know it'll be great and she was like let's do reflection and then she was like let's name the episode reflection as a teaching superpower so we were like got it done half the work's over now yeah, she was amazing.
1: So Sally has a lot going on too, I would say. Mm-hmm. She currently has a teaching young children virtually boot camp that is still open and Martha and I actually um went to it online. Yeah. Uh, which was wonderful and she really gives some great tips on distance learning and we talk a little bit about it with her in our interview too at the end I'd say, but um she just has like a really good outlook on like this new way of learning and teaching for us yes and then she also is just launching something called the wonder box and the wonder box looks amazing i'm just it's very new um but basically it's like a monthly play-based learning practices for your class and it's all virtual they send it to you virtually uh you can subscribe monthly or you can just do a month they say you can cancel whenever it's 14.97 per month and you literally get over 40 play invitations um, each month. They give you down a downloadable e-story each month. Um, they talk about a box that helps to support the growth and competency of children, uh, a book list, and a big idea each month. So it sounds like there's a lot in this wonder box that will come to you virtually to your inbox if you so choose to sign up. And we will have that link on our um, blog.
0: Yeah. But- just a little bit more about that i think it's awesome when i first saw her like first instagram posts about it like it just you know in keeping with the spirit of play-based learning which isn't like something where you are like looking for like canned things um sally definitely says like this is just like if you need to pull something out because you know what it's a crazy time we're all looking we're all looking for things sometimes to just make a life life a little bit easier. And it doesn't mean that this is like your substitute for like your whole classroom curriculum or observing your children and seeing what they like and what they're interested in. It's just like tools to help you, tools to make your life easier, things to enhance what you're already doing. So I think it would be really worth it. I already have Sally in my inbox. I could always use a little bit more fairy dust in there. it totally seems worth it to give that just a try. Like you said, you could cancel it any time. Absolutely.
1: Cancel at any time. It seems like a great option. And it's it's recommended for ages two to six. So.
0: Yes. Okay. That's perfect. That's, that's our sweet spot. Um, so anyway, in the interview, we just chat about all things reflection, about the importance of it, about how to do it, how to build those practices for yourself. We talk about Parents, We talk about distance learning. Sally says something beautiful and like likens working on Zoom to, you know, just having a new instrument that we're not used to and how can we expect it to play our instrument beautifully if, you know, on the first try, which is so true. So I hope everyone finds it to be like really inspiring and motivating. And yeah, uh, without any further ado, here's our interview with Sally Hoy. Thanks so
1: much for talking with us. We're so excited.
2: Oh my gosh, I love talking. (laughs) Anything reflection, anything early childhood, anything (laughs)
0: play, out there. Good. All right. Well, um, I guess just to get started, if you want to give just a little bit of background about yourself, it's very informal, just maybe about um, how you got into education and how you got to where you are now
2: yeah it's really interesting I actually went to college to be an artist went to graphic you Mm. know art school graphic design studied that and um really to this day it's one of my passions but when I had children I had my son had trouble in kindergarten learning to read Mm. and There was a lot of conversation about he needed to repeat, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I knew he was a fierce learner, and he had fierce oral language, you know? So, like, I wasn't concerned, but it really piqued my interest in education. And I started studying and researching, and then a position opened up at my church, and it was like 1996, and I took it you know like i was like i just am passionate about honoring children and i just saw the dishonor of my son is really the igniting of that i uh, like yeah i knew he was fine but he wasn't fitting you know the sequence they wanted him to be on
0: yes totally. especially back then i think that was i mean then and before then very common to be kind of forced into like a certain mold, and I love, and that really comes through, I think, in, like, a lot of the things you do, Um, just that really, like, advocation for children and their rights to learn their way.
2: Exactly, and here's the thing, my son graduated number two in his class, you know, he's a CPA and extremely smart, you know, but he wasn't fitting the system, and you know, we have this misguided idea that children should be learning to read by first grade or kindergarten or, you know, a certain timetable. It's absolutely okay for a child to progress in that with their interest, you know, like he wasn't a fierce reader until third grade. Exactly. It did not impact him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like...
0: Yeah, I mean, know. it's too, it's not beneficial to force anybody to do anything before they're ready i mean no one's gonna like it like potty training exactly <laughs> Lindsay's potty training her daughter right now i have a connection oh my yeah, gosh. to potty training not reading
1: <laughs>
2: that'll be my her next business. battle <laughs> All those milestones, you yeah. know, they're such a big deal. And the other thing is the pressure of parents yeah. on that as well in the school system. Because we do have this culture of, well, when did your child get potty trained? Yeah. You know, or <laughs> when did they start reading?
1: Like the Yet, as adults,
2: I don't go into an interview and they don't go, okay, Sally, when were you potty trained? Yeah. I'm sorry, <laughs> we can't hire you.
0: you know, it's
1: exactly. <laughs> so True. That's so true. <laughs> That's
0: a cool story, though. I love how you got into education. Yeah, just yeah. some passion right there. Um, so great. I mean, reflection as a teaching superpower. I love. We loved the like <laughs> total ready title that came w- with the interview. That's awesome. <laughs>
2: <laughs> because it's true. It's like I wouldn't be who I am without it. It's like everything I do is based in reflection. You know, so when I
1: was asked if I wanted to be on this reflection podcast, I'm like, yes. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah,
0: right, we love the title. We're like, wait, super power. We love that idea of it as yeah. a superpower. I think it's, and I think reflection is so, so important. I think teaching can be kind of, it can be done in like a way that feels a little canned and like. Like, you know, prescribed, or it can be done in a way that's like really comes from yourself and, yeah, like evolving and organic. Yeah, that's a good word.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know, and here's the thing as an artist and trained in the arts, to me, teaching is an art. It's something Mm -hmm. that, you know, is steeped in. To me, the whole fabric of education is relationship. Like, it is what grounds everything i do and so it's the child's relationship to me you know my relationship to the child the child's relationship to peers their relationship to the classroom environment relationship to the materials i'm providing you know it goes on and on and on how do i harness the gold reflection
0: <laughs> you know,
2: yes. that's where it's
0: at you know so true yeah and i'm i'm like so itching to get into as you're talking yeah. and thinking about like all the distance learning and yes. all of the the relationship and connection and reflection that goes into that and i feel like reflection itself isn't something that's being talked about as much when when right now because everybody is hoping that distance learning is just like a temporary very temporary (laughs) thing and so we're all just trying to get through it but i think as it starts as we start to evolve and maybe have to do it more you know we're gonna have to learn how to make it part of our practice and how do we continue to bring like the best um you know the best i the best learning or the best you know thinking
2: right you know and here's the thing for me is that the the reflective? So I have five major reflective tools that I used in my practice that drove my classroom. Those five things still exist virtually.
0: Oh. Yeah. So to there's no
2: difference. Yeah. There's we, absolutely no difference.
1: Yeah, I think that I think that like for me, the difference I see just in general is that I feel like if you're in the classroom, the you, the reflection is a little different. Now people are like forced to be teaching in a different way. So now they're forced to think about their way, the new way of teaching. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like if you're in yeah, a classroom I, and you're so used to certain things, you might not realize you're reflecting. But now that we're in this whole new like platform, I feel like people are more forced to, into reflection right now. Yeah. how it's working and, really, and what needs to change.
2: I That's true. It's, it's, it's something that if I had anything to say to, to a teacher just coming into the field is to make... A, a practice of reflection as the fabric of your teaching because if you have that no matter what circumstance hit you so like when i really felt the power of my reflection practice mm-hmm. was in 2008 i was offered a job in a highly academic kindergarten with where i had done my internship you know so i loved the teachers there it was not my kind of teaching but I love adventure clearly. You know, so yeah, I'm like, yeah. yes, let's do it. So I went into there and I had come from a school where I was highly revered. I hadn't had many issues. Like teaching so far had been pretty much a breeze. So I walked into this classroom, you know, and I prepare all summer. You know how we prepare the classroom, make magic and wonder and you know, just worked my tail off. Walk in the first day, and there's a child who comes in, the most gorgeous child you could imagine. I'll call him um, Brad. And he comes in <laughs> and tosses a chair across the room, knocking a bunch of things down. And that was like one of our best days. <laughs> <laughs> so I walked into a brand new setting where I was going to try to be revolutionary in an academic setting, and I get an oppositional, defiant child. When I went to, you know, undiagnosed, I go to the principal and he says, you got good years, you got bad years. We have no services for him. So what did I have to deal with it? Reflective practice, because I had never been there before, you know, I, in, you know, 12 years of teaching that had never shown up in my space. So what I did was I was reflecting every day what worked, what didn't work. Mm-hmm. Every day I was looking at, um, I, did, I found out standing behind him to his right, talking into that ear, he would not get triggered.
0: Wow. Hmm. So I like, began so to I'm...
2: figure out specifically how to relate to him. Yeah, like Out of reflective practice.
0: Deep reflection, it sounds like. Yeah. So yeah. how did you, like, what methods, I guess we'll just go straight into yeah. this. Like, what methods did you use to get that level of deep reflection?
2: So I'll kind of go through the things that I developed over the years the first one is what I called the big red book the very first one I did was in the 90s in a red artist journal Mm -hmm. big thick thing you can buy like at Michael's somewhere you know Mm -hmm. and I made you know I went through and divided the pages so that every child had like 20 pages and I would just and then after that it was always in a red notebook Mm -hmm. but I would keep a diary of each child and and here's the key for me, and I don't know if other people have this, I did not study what professional reflective practice looked like, I did it on a personal, deeply meaningful level for me, so I would sit down, and I had a picture of the child with their section, and I might even add pictures, it was like an ongoing diary with each child, Uh and so I might go, and what happens, so like I might notice that the child came in and had a little bit of a grumpy disposition and I would just note that on a, a, you know, post-it note and stick it in the red notebook to expand upon. And then I would just watch that grumpy attitude, not trying to fix it or make it mean something, but just watched how it played out through the day and then journal on it. So it was just like bringing my loving attention and my care about the children, and writing about it. And what happened in that is I developed intuition.
0: So you were able to kind of you go more quickly in the moment, you mean?
2: <laughs> right, because what happens if you start, so and I'll, I'll tell you exactly, the the real truth, and I got this from my Waldorf um, kindergarten certification Uh in the 90s is that I would start at the beginning of the year before I fell asleep I would always remember every child I would go just bring their image up in my mind and see you know and I would and I would take every you know count okay wait a minute I got 19 who am I forgetting and that (laughs) was an important child I didn't remember who they were so I would write down that name and it was the, the child I would really pay attention the next day Once I could remember all the children and their faces and how they looked, I would remember what were they wearing Hmm. or what shoes were they wearing or, you know, and I would just play that game every night before going to sleep because it would hone my observation. So when they walk in the door, I would glance and know. And so then as I started journaling about them, I've already started that relationship as I fell asleep every night.
0: Right. Mm. And I think, too, just putting any child in your mind um, at the end of the day, I think really like we know that starting fresh with every child in your class is the best thing to do especially after a hard day. And I think that's such a nice way to start fresh is to just remember that child. And obviously, you're you're probably going to remember that child first. (laughs) Right. But, But, but you know, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, it's just such a, it is such a loving way to hone your observational skills and to say, wow, like this child, I had that this year 100% with one of my students. I was always realizing that, Every time I would um, try and make a mental list or something like that, this one particular child would not show up on my list. And it really, it freaked me out just because I wanted to make sure I was aware of everybody at all times. But, you know, it really helped me become more aware of that kid. Yeah, And it is telling, too. Like you said,
1: like if you're constantly going through a list and there's one person that you can't remember, it's like keep going through that list and try try to remember that person.
0: And your relationship needs to grow with them. then.
2: Exactly, and sometimes it's the quietest child in the room. Exactly. They're so
1: quiet, they disappear. It was. Yeah, and like easygoing and like sweet. (laughs) Yes, exactly.
2: They're actually more at risk. From doing that practice, I really get that they're really at risk in the classroom. Right. Um, And the other thing that I would document are friendships that they had. And little, like, as I'm documenting their friendships, reflecting on it, you know, oh, my gosh, today – you know, Gideon gave you know, Susie this rock he had found, and it was so endearing because he'd been carrying it around for a week. You know, it's like
0: yeah. just
2: noting things, you know, yeah. qualities and dispositions of the children, because for me, teaching is an act of love. Like, my, my commitment is every child got seen, heard, and honored by me, because I know that's what's going to make it the difference. If you look at Maslow's, we know that's what's going to make the difference, not skill and drill.
0: Totally, and I guess speaking of making the difference, like what do you think? What effect do you think that that has on the children? Like pre your like reflective skills and after.
2: I think that it truly builds a. So for me, what got present and it really came through with the little boy Brad in 2008 is that the story of him is that when you're really leaning into understanding, appreciating, reflecting on who this human being is in front of me, how do they learn, how do they relate to their peers, you know, just like rejoicing in the good, the bad and the glorious all of it right mm-hmm. like it like we're researchers that there's you know, like brad's behavior was his behavior it he was it was i always say they're doing the best they can and so if picking a chair up and throwing it across the room is the best he can do mm-hmm. then i want to get up underneath it and figure out how can i help him even get more control over that impulse he has no control over so you know I did that all year long researching reflecting digging into what's working here the following year I'm standing at my door and he walks up and says Mrs. Hoy can I take your chairs down
0: oh that's like amazing he
2: showed up and took down my chairs now there was not a better thank you on the planet because he knew I loved him
0: Oh. Yes. Wow. That's so I think a direct story. a direct effect is a strong relationship when you reflect with your on your class and on your children it really builds that relationship which is like we know well, I, it, the key to everything.
2: Well, I think if we look at education, why do we educate? And this is where I get really like, you know, wishing I could have an impact on the on the whole educational system worldwide yeah. is that if you look back at the teachers that made a difference for you it wasn't about you know, the technique they use, it was the passion and love they had for you to be nurtured and grown
0: totally, totally
2: that's what matters, you know, so we get so hung up in these standards when what we need to do is to nurture the community of passionate teachers not make them Demoralized and yeah, <laughs> to get second jobs because you don't pay us enough. <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. I mean, yeah. I think I think reflection too is something that I was talking about it with Lindsay um, yesterday. Um, or maybe it was my husband. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, so this is a backstory. Martha and I actually teach together. So
1: we yes. do, <laughs> we do do a lot of reflective practice together, which is nice. Cause there's, you know, there's self reflection and then there's the pair peer or pair reflection. So we do a lot of the pair too, which is really nice.
0: Right. And I was, I was, I was thinking about it and this part of teaching is something that they don't really teach. I feel like when you go to school and, it's something that you really need to want to do and I was I was kind of when I was um doing more research on you for the episode I came across your um your take one 2017 um download and and it just I looking at it and how there's goal setting and stuff like that I just realized how much this is something that you want have to want to do for yourself as a teacher you know what I mean it's it's really something that nobody is going to can I mean a, a director can give this to you and and try and help you set goals but I think ultimately it's up to you to really do that work to do the work, put the work in, follow through. Yeah. And,
2: right. I, and I think it comes to you know I do think it comes from when when your work becomes a calling, not a just a job, you oh, know. Really. And Then you, you know, for me personally, I'm constantly seeking to expand who I know myself to be.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Because that means who shows up in the classroom has so much more to give.
0: Yes. You know,
2: and it's so meaningful to me to make a difference in a child's life. Like, I can't imagine anything more powerful to do with my life.
0: Mm -hmm. That's so true. Yeah, to make a difference every day. And you can you can really see it, too, with young children, the difference. You can. Yeah.
2: But I was going to tell you, too, I have a couple other things I do. One of the things I um, did every day is an end-of-the-day reflection. And it was really fast, and I found it really helpful for interns and assistants as mm. well. And mm. I would just ask, which students stood out today? Who captured my attention and why?
0: I love that. Then Very I'd cool. ask.
2: What did not work or could have been more effective? What was missing or needed in that circumstance? What worked really well? What's important for me for tomorrow, this week? You know, like if there was anything that showed up in that. And then I would ask myself if I had to pick a word or a phrase for the day, what would it be? And I had my assistants and interns do it as well. And it's so interesting, too, when you work with others to hear how they answered it. Because their answers are different. Mm-hmm. They were never the same. Unless there was a big disaster.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, everyone's, like, observing different things throughout the day.
2: Yeah. That's a, but know. it's five minutes, you know. And I, and I had it so down, I would, you know, I could just go through it in my head. But I loved having colleagues because then mm-hmm. I had that collaborative mm-hmm. review
1: And, like, different perspectives, which is great, too. Yes.
2: Yeah. And then with the third teacher or the environment, I have an environment matrix that I would look at. And I really looked at this in terms of um, engagement, like, what was working and what's not working in my environment? Where are the children gravitating and engaged, you know, highly invested, and where were they not? And when they were not, what's missing or what's hindering their engagement? Got and I think it. always when there were behavioral issues, the first place I looked was in the environment, not the child.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Really? What's off? Can you say more about that? Like maybe, do you have any examples of a time where that that happened?
2: Oh, there's so many. So, um, one time I had uh, literally no child going to dramatic play, mm-hmm. right? Like. And for me, dramatic play is like my favorite center. So it was like crushing. (laughs) (laughs) And and this particular class loved blocks and the sensory table. In fact, the sensory table we ended up building it, so it was like a third of the classroom. It was just massive, Um, with all you know, kind of all different layers and movements and shoots, and you know, they were just into it. But I looked at the dramatic play and I really got down to it as I reflected that one child would go in there and just walk out another child would go and I had a play stand you know with the silk over it and yeah. it was beautiful you know like I could post it on Instagram and get a thousand likes and, um, <laughs> but no children were going in it and so what I really got was that it was completely based on what I loved
0: Yeah, got
2: it. it was based on being beautiful it was beautiful. Well, children really don't care, you know?
0: Yeah. So what what changes did you end up making?
2: So what I did was I took what I was seeing in the sensory table where they were wanting to scoop, dump. They were in that dumping, scattering, you know, like they were four years old just loving to move, dump, pour, shoot things down, tunnels, so, I brought the Play-Doh Center into the housekeeping. So, there was things to squeeze, smash, move, you know, and immediately it took off.
0: <laughs> awesome. That's, like,
1: such great, like, observation and then just, like, being proactive, right? And, then, you know, right. like, change it. don't talk about it, just do it.
2: Yeah. Right. They needed the sensory things. Yeah. And to allow them, like, I always have mortar and pestles and things like Mm -hmm. that like to take that off of the table and to put it into housekeeping and let it become a part of their narrative Mm -hmm. right and we're afraid to do that because what happens it's a stinking mess yeah i was
0: gonna ask i want to tell me about your thoughts on the mess
2: well, so the thing that with Plato that it, what I learned is that one is I have to let go of it all, wanting it to be pretty, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, And I'm a, I, you know, an artist, a design freak, so I love pretty. <laughs> I always had a beautiful classroom because that's my thing.
0: Mm-hmm. But
2: what I realized with Plato going into the housekeeping is I couldn't have any cloth in there.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: You know, I had to take the rug out just because that's another layer of cleaning I wasn't willing to do.
0: Right. Yes. But
2: make but... it Play-Doh friendly, you yeah, know, and with a little sense. bits of Play-Doh stuck, you know, in the cabinet and stuff, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then the kids, you know, the other thing I did with the children that was really, really important is and this is where I bring Montessori is practical life, having little brooms and things to clean and bringing cleaning as a joyful thing.
0: Right. Um, we, we talked a lot. We actually um, last, in our last season, interviewed Tom Hobson. Um, mm-hmm. And we talked about with him, like, the sort of making, cleaning, cleaning first of all he was saying like children are going to clean and they're going to put things where they want to put them and that's that's their job you know cuz like it's not a, it's not about being beautiful and tidy and perfect but it's about Uh-oh. teaching that joy of responsibility or whatever um just not making it about you know the pro- the product of a perfectly instagrammable room right and like listening to directions like
1: clean up now listen
2: yeah
0: right exactly
2: it's no it's an amazing. organic process of right. daily life we clean right.
0: right exactly exactly we clean as much as i wish we didn't <laughs>
2: <laughs> right and i think it's really important to that very thing is that um they clean on their level. They might not notice the details where you'll have some children who do notice the details, you know. That doesn't go here, John. It goes here. And it allow them to, to, you know, assist each other. And um, I I was amazed at when cleaning didn't have a pressure and a have-to attached, but a joyful, um, singing, you know, game-filled spirit children they love it it's just another thing we do
0: right yeah I think do you think that what do you think are ways that you can help kind of um build that in like from the beginning like to kind of
1: introduce it into the classroom
2: yeah so what I always did is I would sit down and introduce every section of the classroom And introduce the materials and talk about how we care for them and that that we had our cleaning supplies that they could go and clean and take care of things with like not just when cleanup time was but if they Mm -hmm. noticed somewhere needed a cleaning here's cleaning cloths here's the little brooms here's this here's that and so it was a part of the nature of the materials we play with them we put them back we clean them it's just a cycle
0: I love that. And
2: and then the other thing that I learned in my Waldorf training that's really important is that children have a natural need to imitate. You know, they imitate the movies they see. They imitate their parents. They imitate us. You know, how many times have you been told that children were teaching to their stuffed animals like we talk, you know? Yeah. Um, But if we demonstrate, you know, cleaning as a joyful act, you know, and they'll follow
0: suit that's so true I think it's about it's about mindfulness you know I think when when we're in the moment cleaning up the broken glass <laughs> we have to take okay. a breath and really model the the you know the the Safety, lightness yeah, yeah it's, not it's, a big deal. it's not a big deal it's just yes, part it. of life
2: it is it's so it and you know, I, I remember early on in my career, one of the things I always did as a practice of mindfulness is whenever there was an insect or a spider and, you know, I'm the first to scream and jump on a chair. But for the children, <laughs> i got control. And I would go, oh, it you know, and my voice, I have vocal cord damage now. But back in the day when I could sing properly, I always sang everything I go oh little one little one back to your family and I'd scoop it into a cup you know and put something on top of it and then open at this particular school I could open the door and throw it into the back playground nice you know bye bye spider go tell your mommy hello and then the parents would come back and tell me my child won't let us kill bugs anymore we have to (laughs) release them back to their families I love it It's just how the children take it in, you know, and I would say things like, oh, I love to clean because it makes everything sparkle so beautifully, you know, and (laughs) then their parents would come back and go, what are you feeding our children? They want to (laughs) clean (laughs) because it makes everything so sparkly. You know, it's like they want to imitate us. That's that's so true. And, you know, it's that enthusiasm, like it's magic to clean.
0: And you know? I think it's like harnessing to what what's true for you. Like if I were to do that, I think I might say, Wow, I, I love to clean because when everything is put away, I feel like my brain is ready to do something else and it feels clear and I that just makes me happy. So that's how I might talk about it in a way exactly. that's authentic. You know? You got it. Awesome.
2: Authenticity is huge.
0: Yeah, huge. Yes.
2: Children see right through fake.
0: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, you got
2: to
1: say it real for you. Yeah. (laughs) Keep telling yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So I think just because we know that it's most likely going to be in our future, I'd love to talk more about reflecting in the online world. Lindsay and I are both in your boot camp right now, and we love it. A lot of our colleagues are actually in it, and um, it's – I, we like how you talked about... I'm thinking these are the five principles you mentioned earlier, um, but you talked about, like, a way to be reflective using these principles of engagement.
2: Yes. And one of the things that I have, and if it's... I'll have to put it up in that course if it's not there is what I call the engagement compass Ooh. and it's like really looking at what is engaging them and mm-hmm. how do we support that engagement so when let's say on zoom what you're doing so here's the first thing I noticed about zoom because I did a couple practice sessions mm-hmm. with my employees children
0: yeah we saw I thought it was <laughs> yeah, and
2: the thing is is I know all those children except one. Mm-hmm. One child I had not had any encounter with.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Gideon, I know, he was. he's featured in my um, book, um, The Wonder Art Workshop. On the Zoom call, his whole way of responding was different than it was in the physical space, right? So observing him, I immediately saw... He needed to know what was coming next, why it was coming, and he needed to see it repeated before he'd ever really take, you know, engage with me. Yeah. And so some children are going to be holding back. They're engaged, and you can see it in their eyes, but physically, they're not taking part with you. Right. So I think like there's a whole level of looking at the different ways children engage virtually. Yeah. There's children who are going to be distracted by the third teacher that's now the home. Yes. And so that's a conversation with parents because we have no control over that.
0: That's true.
2: And so we have to say, you know, okay, so during our Zoom times, it would be great if you had Bobby sitting in a space where he was not in line with the TV. Or his siblings or whatever it is. But I can see that first there's really observing how these children, most of them, most of you know those children before, you know, this happened. So you can see the right. differences. Totally. To see, to begin. And I think it's really, for the first time, the partnership with the parents is our pathway to success.
0: Mm-hmm. It's right. blown up, the partnership, I feel like. Right. It's really become... So, I'm always looking for ways to be more in tune with my families. I feel like that's something that I always am thinking about. And all I can say is for all the awful things that this whole situation with coronavirus has brought, like, it has made me see that there are ways to get really close to families. Yeah. And I think you have to depend on one another. It's really about... Yeah, it's a, a two-way stri- street. It's not just thinking that you have all the answers. It's needing the parents, too, I think.
1: It is. Yeah. yeah. But I just love how you, know, you, like you, like you just say, like, lean into what's working and just, like, the fact that it's okay to, like, take those risks and make mistakes. Because I think so many teachers are so scared to make mistakes, especially because you're, like, on a video call. The parents might be in the room. Um, it's more, you're more, like, vulnerable in a lot of ways. Yeah. Paralyzed. So, yeah. yeah. So and I, I think-
2: like, you know, for me, I was a goofy teacher, and yeah. I, my, you know, the the being very theatrical very emanated in my goofballness, you know, would probably be something that I'd have to harness, but not be as much that way as I am in the classroom because I can't bring the calm as quickly. Yeah. Right? So it's like, it's a different. It's a so you just, yeah. And I think if you just start reflecting, okay, when I was on that Zoom call, um, and, you know, Sarah ran away and never came back. And then this, you know, mm-hmm. just looking at, okay, what would make the difference for Sarah?
0: So true. What is it
2: that Sarah's interested in? Maybe I can call Sarah or send an email and ask Sarah what books she would like me to read tomorrow.
1: Yeah, so personalize it.
2: Yeah, it's just like I can think we have to pull all of those strategies we do with children who are you know, not integrating in the classroom.
0: Mm-hmm. Now
2: we have it and they're not integrating in our Zoom call.
0: So true. Or
2: a parent decides, no, I'm not going to put my kid on that call. Then, you know, reaching out to the parent, having the conversation, you know. Tell me more about that. Yeah. I want to hear. I
1: care. Um, I did. We did see it in your um, boot camp how you talk about parent virtual meetings. Would that be like a platform you could use? Kind of some of those suggestions for, because I feel like that's really opening yourself up. <laughs> yeah, Which is silly, yeah no, But I get totally. the idea of it.
2: I I really credit Head Start for really versing me and being vulnerable with parents, because you know I worked with underprivileged children for years, and I would be standing in front of a felon, and I treated that person with the same respect I gave to the you know surgeon,
0: mm-hmm. right?
2: That I taught later in the academic school and when you do that when you bring that respect to parents that they actually have something to say that they actually have something to give in this it's stunning what shows up it's stunning
0: totally and we
2: underestimate what parents can offer well and here's a here's a big tip a mantra that I took on and again that my first year in kindergarten really was like you know, twelve years into the profession, let's go through fire. Um, <laughs> I had a, I had a mantra that I, with learning in Head Start, you know, in the late '90s, that, you know, I take nothing personal. Anything that happens with the parent is not personal. It's they're in survival. Yes. I don't know what. I'm not in their shoes. I don't know what they're going through. And I had a dad in kindergarten that first year. Second weekend, I'm struggling. You know, I'm just trying to keep my head above water. <laughs> and he walks up to me. He's a bodybuilder. And he puts his face in my face, like, inches apart. And he's like, we got to talk oh now. <laughs> you know, he's like mad. And I said, absolutely. But after I get the children to, you know, we had a big drop-off and pick-up line. And yeah. it was a big deal. It was like 1,000 kids in that school. So, mm. And nine other kindergarten teachers so i said wait till we're done i'll love to talk to you
1: mm-hmm.
2: and you know i i told him i as he sat down with me i said i really really honor you because i wish every father was that committed to their daughter's happiness how can i help you oh,
1: that's not i didn't funny. take a yeah didn't
2: take a personal that he got in my face in front of all of my colleagues because it's not about me you know yeah. and I had a dynamic relationship with that family, but had I taken his attitude seriously? You know, so we yeah. can't take how they're treating us. I know that we deserve to be treated with respect, but sometimes people are suffering, and now we know many people are suffering.
0: Yeah.
2: And to have compassion that maybe, you know, a little understanding can go a long way.
0: Yes, yeah. I also think, you know, I I always think that a uh, positive response softens like softens yeah. the whole situation. Oh. So, you always. know, I, you know, kill him with kindness right. I, if above like if all else fails, um, I kind of just fake it till I make it if I am hit personally sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes,
2: totally, yeah. totally. And you know it works. It really it works does. when you see the best in others. They see the best in you.
0: Totally. When you when they see you like really trying to fix the problem that they brought to you, taking it seriously, there's a change.
2: I had another Shipped. moment. This was when I was in a uh, Westside side Tulsa school again kind of a lower income bracket school and this mother would walk with her son every day Charlie to the classroom and their relationship was mesmerizing to me because she would just talk and you know ask questions and you know was so engaged every day with him and I would say something to her about oh my gosh you know he is so lucky to have such a thoughtful mother you know you are just amazing and whatever you know I just constantly said things to her and reaffirmed her beautiful way of being with him so inquisitive and giving him voice and honoring him and around Christmas time she goes Mrs. Hoy can you walk with me as I leave I want to tell you something I said sure and I told my assistant I'd be right back And she goes, I just want you to know how much it means to me that you notice my relationship with my son because I've lost two years with him. I've just gotten out last summer out of prison. Wow. And I was not with him for two years. Uh oh. You got
0: got Lindsay about to cry. (laughs) I usually tear up. I mean, I
2: (laughs) never, ever would have guessed she was a felon. Yeah. I, you know, and, and it moved me to tears. And she was, you know a victim of a boyfriend writing illegal checks and knew it and didn't you know say yeah. anything so she was thrown away with him but just to think how she was savoring her son mm-hmm. you know some parents who just you know, we cannot judge them based on anything
0: yeah and it's, you know it's it's about the observation too like your that whole thing is based off your reflection on their relationship and your family's relationships with each of their children
2: yeah, exactly, which I keep in that notebook, yeah, totally, because I would notice those things, and again, I would, you know, one of my professors told me about using post-it notes and, you know, mm-hmm. sticking them on the door, and then later going back, so I would always do that, you know, I had little sticky notes yeah. everywhere, yes. but the other thing I do that has been profound, and I've done it most of my career, is I would send home a family reflection, and it would alter the first half would be questions to ask the child so the parent would ask the child the question the second half was for parents or family members depending because not all children are with their parents Mm -hmm. so the questions like an example of beginning of the year for the child is what have you liked most this week in class for the parents to ask what did you investigate this week that was so cool Or whatever you know uh, is there anything you would like to learn about that you're not you know and then parents fill it out if we were like reading a series of books like the three bears i might have them say tell me the story of the three bears or something like that then the questions for the family is what did your child talk about Mm -hmm. most this week and um what was the biggest topic of school not recess besides <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> recess and then do you have any concerns or
1: celebration mm-hmm. totally yes I love it you definitely gotta open yourself up
0: though and not take things personally Yeah, that's like the first thing you need to tell yourself <laughs> like I think especially now that we're so out in the open yeah. every day with distance learning that's really we've been talking a lot about that, like about opening yourself up for feedback and, and failure using it. <laughs> right. And the, the whole failing thing, like taking risks and being okay with failing. It's all, it's very, there's a lot of personal growth happening now. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And here's why I think the, the, the balance happens for me. You know, you can only talk from the trenches of your own experience, but for me, when I was in new territory and, partially failing I never let go of knowing my expertise you know so Mm. I held on to that I am the expert in this in early childhood and being with children and I'm passionate about it and my failure doesn't touch that
0: ooh can you talk a little bit more about that that sounds very helpful
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so you know it's like um, so let's say yo-yo ma you know one of the world's you know Fiercest cello players mm-hmm. has a cello called Petunia that he plays, and it's spectacular. Mm-hmm. But let's say all of a sudden he shows up, Petunia has not made it to the stadium where he's playing, and they bring in a cello from a university where it's been down in storage. You know, and he <laughs> has to cello. play it. Now and it doesn't sound as good, right? It's not as good. I think of it like that. Like, I have my artistry as a teacher, but when I'm asked to go into new territory, it's like I have a, a new a new instrument to play. Zoom and virtual is a new instrument to play. It's not where we're used to playing our artistry.
0: That's gorgeous. It's not yeah. going to
2: sound the same.
0: It's not. It's not. It doesn't. And <laughs> and also it has just...
2: nothing to do with our skill. It has to do with the instrument we've been given called Zoom or google or yeah. video or you know what i'm saying it's no replacement like with yo-yo ma there's no replacement for petunia his million dollar cello you know
1: <laughs> exactly there's no
2: replacement for your classroom right we can't replace it not possible
1: yeah.
2: it is the creme de la creme of teaching is yeah. our own environment
1: yeah. Totally. I love how you say like in your boot camp about how just like look for the sparkle in their eye and just go with what works because it's it is like such a new platform for us and it's not our classroom. So what what is gonna work for us? And if, if the kids are having fun and enjoying and participating, then we should just go with that.
2: <laughs> right. And eventually we will just dis- if this is the beast we think we have and this is what's really depressing me as I look forward mm-hmm. as what can I provide next? Is mm. are we looking at this off and on? Another wave coming, etc. If so, we are going to get some chops around it. You know, we're already getting chops out there. I mean, oh, I'm really? already seeing people talk about what's working and not working. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we're we're learning this new landscape but i I would beg every educator to never forget who they are
0: i love that it's Mm -hmm. it's just it's a new playing field there's no reason why we should be experts right away Mm -hmm. but we're bringing not
2: possible really not possible it's ridiculous to think that
0: yeah (laughs) exactly i love it Well, anyway, thank you so much. I just, um, the, when we started this season, like last year, when we were brainstorming about it, I was like, I, I mean, we should just try and see if, um, Sally Sally. Hoy will do it. Like, (laughs) I don't know if that would ever be possible, but you never know. Cause I, we would always been so impressed with everything you do. And so just to have you on the show is such an honor. So thank yes. you so oh, much. Thank so you. Thank you. Oh, that means a lot.
2: I just, yeah, I love our field. Gosh.
0: Oh, amazing. amazing. Okay. okay.
2: Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Yes,
0: thank you. Enjoy thank your you. evening. Bye-bye. Bye, Sally. So that's our show. If you want to learn more about Sally and Fairy Dust teaching, which we highly recommend, you should head over to her website, Uh, which is fairydustteaching.com. You can also follow her on Instagram at fairydustteaching. You can also head over to our website to hear more about this episode and look at takeaways and the show notes and look at resources, and that is www.thereflectiveteacherpodcast.com. Please also follow us on Instagram at the Reflective Teacher Podcast. And if you would, we would really appreciate it if you went over to Apple Podcasts and left us a rating and a review. It really helps push us out there and help more teachers find our show. Um, as always, thank you for listening. See you next time.